Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. You accept something that your child has, but it, it doesn't define your whole child. And I think sometimes uh, over the years, I, I could separate some what my child's diagnosis was from my child and enjoy who God made them to be. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. So... I am a firm believer that every season of motherhood, you need encouragement for every season of motherhood. So uh, when I uh, was a young mom, I needed encouragement. I was a stay-at-home mom. I needed encouragement. When my kids were uh, teenagers, I needed encouragement. Um, And when my kids were starting to leave the nest, I needed that encouragement. And eventually I wrote books that addressed all of those seasons of life. And my um, most recent book is My Empty Nest Full Life book. And it really looks at how do we let go of our now adult kids? And then how do we um, also make the most of this, what I call the encore season of life. And I, I love uh, encouraging empty nest moms. Uh, every other year I do an empty nest mom retreat. And then, uh, this year for the very first time, my husband and I are doing an empty nest marriage retreat. Uh, well, we're doing a marriage retreat with some empty nest add-on sessions to it that are optional because it just brings its own challenges. This season of life brings its own challenges. But today we're actually going to explore something that isn't talked about a whole lot. And that is what happens when the nest will actually never be empty. So what happens when we have a child that is not able to leave the home, a child that needs care for the rest of their life? How do we uh, adapt to that emotionally? How do we uh, grieve maybe what others will have and we won't? Uh, how do we take care of ourselves while we're a caregiver to others? And then where does faith fit into that journey? And uh, this is certainly a topic that my husband and I have uh, had to tackle in a smaller way than many people do, but it is one as we have a son that is uh, on disability and I manage his disability. Um, but I didn't want to tackle this topic alone. I wanted to tackle it with some moms who are living this out as well. Um, different circumstances than mine. So I'm so glad to welcome to the podcast, Kim Cusimano and Connie DeRosa. And they are two moms that are in the trenches and they are facing the reality that their nest will never be empty. So welcome to the No More Perfect podcast, Kim and Connie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glad uh, to be here. So good to have you guys. Thank you for being willing to explore this conversation. Um, I don't think it's talked about enough. And I think that uh, we will be, uh, you know, there'll be some, some people listening that A, 
it it doesn't apply to them, but they're still going to listen because maybe it applies to someone they know. But B, there's going to be some going, ah, oh, me too. Mm-hmm. And isn't that one of the most powerful words and phrases that we can say to each other when we know that we're not alone? So you guys are me too friends here, and I'm just mm-hmm. so grateful. So I'd love for you to take just a moment and introduce yourself. And um, first, just who are you outside of being a mom? Like, what are some of your personal passions? So let's go there first. Then we'll talk a little bit about your circumstances as a caregiver. So Kim, you and I recently met at the Speak Up conference. We did. And that's where we first had a conversation about this topic. So uh, talk about what you love to do outside of being a mama. Well, I love to hang out with my husband, Joe. That's always fun. And we still, even though we have special needs uh, children, we still try to get away for date night as often as we can. And so he's my favorite person. Um, I do like to write and speak when I get an opportunity, anything that encourages uh, other families. I like to teach the word of God in women's Bible studies. Um, a reader sometimes. I go through seasons with how many books are on my nightstand. Um, <laughs> and recently trying to like learn a new little hobby. I'd never heard of like rug hooking that was so simple. And so somehow I stumbled across this video and my husband ordered me my first kit for my birthday. And I thought, why not learn something new? So um, I've been learning to garden the last few years and now rug hooking. And I don't know if I'm sounding old. I may need my 18-year-old to help me not go down that path, but I'm all about flowers and rugs all of a sudden. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, I share your love for gardening and particularly flower gardening. I actually have a flower garden. I just did it last year for the first time. And all I planted last year was pretty much zinnias and wildflower packets. And um, this year I did zinnias, wildflowers, and then I added like mini sunflowers and I am just loving them. And I go out (laughs) and I cut them and I put I put uh, fresh flowers all over my house. Oh, it makes me happy. So I totally love that. So Connie, tell us a little bit about you outside. So Connie and I have known each other a long time. Connie uh, used to attend the church that my husband and I uh, led. And so um, we've known each other for a long, long time. Um, But Connie, tell a little bit about what you love outside of being a mama. Well, I have, um, like Kim, just recently picked up a new hobby. I, besides being a member of my a very wonderful church, Bethel Chandler, and uh, serving in the children's ministry, and then also being a women's life group leader, I really value the friendships that I have. Mm-hmm. But the new uh, thing that I'm just picked up was I'm attempting to make a sourdough starter to make sourdough bread. I love it. So um, I've been doing a little bit of baking again. That was a passion that I had when I was young. And uh, just for some reason, maybe with all the talk of prepping and, you know, (laughs) becoming a little bit more self-sufficient at this time in history (laughs) that that we're going through, uh, I decided to try that. So if anybody has any hints to let me know, (laughs) um, I'd be very open to it because I failed with my first starter. So um, I'm trying again. That's right. You got to keep, you just got to stay steadfast with it. And then also during COVID, uh, picked up watercoloring. I'm enjoying uh, doing watercolor painting. And so uh, very simple. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, you guys are both caregivers for special needs kids and um, special needs adults. They're your kids. They'll always be your kids, right? But Kim, why don't you share about the caregiving role that you have that is uh, really determining that your nest will not be empty? Sure. Um, Yeah, my husband and I have been married about 30 years, and about 26 years ago, we started to build our family through adoption, and we knew that the first child we adopted had some special needs, and we were anxious and 
yet we felt called to be his mom and dad. And so it was kind of spelled out. There was a doctor when he was born that had a very thorough profile about his what what his special needs might look like. Um, and that brought some comfort. But then our second daughter, as she aged into elementary school, we began to realize was very intellectually challenged and also sadly already showing signs of dealing with mental health issues at a very young age. Mm. Um, and unknown to us, those things would come together and needing a lot more care than even her older brother. And so I felt like we had said to God that we were good with one, but what was this surprise that we were, you know, that had come along? And so as they have aged, now our son is 25 and our almost 26 and our daughter's 24. Um, our son is very high functioning. He works a part-time job, but even as something as simple as he does not drive. So I may never outgrow taxi service either, which I was kind of hoping to give that one up. But um, he doesn't drive, but he is high functioning. He works a part-time job. Uh, and he has, he has some developmental issues. You know, we still coach, we coach him with social issues. We, we coach him about relationships, uh, appropriate things to say and not say. And But he really is a delight and he even helps, he contributes to so much to our family. Mm-hmm. Um, our daughter's Sadly, her skills have deteriorated, which is something that I don't think we were as prepared for. Yes. And so she has lost some skills. And here we are in a new season of, I call it caregiving. And then there's still an element of parenting that I think will always be there, no matter Mm -hmm. her age. Mm -hmm. And then just the change of that role and title. As they were younger, I did not perceive myself as a caregiver, only as Uh mom. But as they've aged, I certainly feel the weight that comes with that title that their daddy and I are their sole caregivers. So just adjusting to what that brings and a long-term planning, long-term perspective um, of taking on challenges and then some of the positive and beautiful things too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that just painting that picture of the context of what you're experiencing. But uh, wow, interesting that you were just mom, but now you've really had to transition to being caregiver and recognizing it's a different role than what it had been in the early years. Yeah. So Connie, tell us a little bit about uh, your circumstances. Well, I am the mother of two young adults, John Mark, who is 38, and Alyssa, who is 35. Alyssa lives in Northern California. She's single. She lives on her own, has a job, and enjoying her life there. And um, John Mark and I live here in the Phoenix, Arizona area, the two of us. Mm -hmm. He and I are enjoying living in the desert as much as we can, even though it was 110 the other day. And (laughs) We're staying, we're very thankful for air conditioning. I bet. <laughs> but, um, but like Kim, John Mark's uh, first, I never thought of myself. That's a really good point, Kim. I, I was always John Mark's mom, helping mm-hmm. him go to school, go to youth group, Bible studies. He went to camps. He traveled. He was very busy. Had a part-time job through school with, with a job coach. But um, after he graduated from high school, which was in Bloomington, Illinois, we moved Mm -hmm. back up to Chicago. Um, And so his health took a turn. You know, he was in his mid-20s and um, developed some medical challenges that really changed life for him. He could not work again. You know, he uh, was still active in the church that we were serving in, but uh, it it was limited because he had... Uh, health issues to deal with. So it's the same thing. I've become his caregiver now that he is 38 and he requires full-time care because he had, well, he was born with spina bifida Mm -hmm. and also a genetic birth defect called DeGeorge syndrome. And so along with those two diagnoses, there are a myriad of issues that he, he has dealt with physically and developmentally. He has always needed help to live his life, but now he needs total help because eight years ago he had two hemorrhagic strokes, which changed life for him and then changed life 
for us as a family. Yeah. He is now in a wheelchair and unable to walk and care for himself like he was doing some mm-hmm. of those things beforehand. And maybe you'll notice that I, I, I am a single mom now. Mm-hmm. Um, when Jean-Marc had his strokes and all the medical challenges that were a part of it, I, I had been married uh, and his father and I had been married for over 30 years at that point. Jean-Marc was 30 years old when it happened, his strokes. And uh, his father made the choice that uh, he wanted to have a happy life and decided to uh, leave our family, leave our marriage to pursue those things. Mm. So um, I'm a single mom to John Mark now. We moved here to Phoenix six years ago to be near uh, family, found a wonderful church, great support here in the community, and uh, we're, we're doing well. Mm. And I know John Mark personally, you know, I remember yes. him <laughs> being, he was like the greeting team at, he was, at the church. <laughs> he's, a, he's an extrovert. Oh my goodness. He and, is. Yeah, And his mission field is a doctor's office and a hospital. He's been in many and he, that's his mission field. And, and that's and, wonderful. And you were saying that one of the first things he says to people yes. is, do you know Jesus? Yes. Like he's a, just right there. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Uh, I believe in God. Do you believe in God? Are you a Christian? <laughs> and we've had, he's opened up many conversations with people on a variety of, uh, with a variety of answers. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, he's oh, wonderful. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Each of our kids has such special um, personalities yeah, yeah. and what they bring to the world. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction, our, uh, we have a son that we adopted and uh, he has a lot of mental health issues. Uh, there was a lot, we didn't adopt him till he was nine. And so that comes with trauma, rejection, just a lot of hurt in those early years. And so uh, it has been very, very difficult for him to function in the world well. And uh, he did go on disability several years ago and he requires a payee for his disability. So therefore, I he does live independently. He doesn't live with us. However, I manage his medications. I manage his doctor's appointments. I manage um, his, I pay all of his bills, his rent, his phone with his disability income. And and we were actually recently doing some kind of end of life planning for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking at updating our will and things like that. And uh, somebody said to, that was a part of that journey, uh, said to us, uh, you guys need a special needs trust. And honestly, that was a new concept for us. And we were like, what, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, he requires your care and he requires that your money management. And if he were to inherit any amount of money, he would lose his disability. Mm -hmm. And we don't want that to happen um, because that's what he is surviving on. So uh, that was the first time that I think we even looked at it through a different lens and went, gosh, you're right. Like if I'm not here, if Mark isn't here, then somebody has to care for him. And, um, and so it's not quite to the care level that you guys have to deal with, but I certainly understand the reality of what that looks like to have a child that will not ever fully function independently in this world. So guys, one of the questions that I uh, have for you is what's the emotional side of that been for you? Has there been any grief? I mean, both of you have known this reality since your kids were little. So, you know, it's possible that you knew this and you've just accepted it all along, but what's it been like emotionally as other people, your age and stage of life are, are experiencing an empty nest and you're not, what has that done emotionally for you, Kim? Uh, yeah, I think also, like, I, I'm not sure I gave him a shout out at first, but we have four children. So we have mm-hmm. two other typical children mm-hmm. and sometimes they really mirror what we're missing with their brother and mm-hmm. sister. 
And I've noticed sometimes that's ushered in an intense um, feeling of, honestly, of grief. And I think there, I think it's good to ad- address grief and call it what it is. Mm-hmm. So often, if somebody hasn't passed away or something, we don't want to attach that label. But if that is true, we need to, we can always deal and process better when we're honest about what we're dealing with and processing, right? <laughs> yes. And so if I, if I recognize it as grief, as if I acknowledge it as grief, mm-hmm. I actually do better. And that's taken some years for me to, to learn for myself. Mm-hmm. It comes at inopportune times that I never expect. Sometimes I will uh, open Facebook and there will be a young lady, uh, maybe just a friendly acquaintance who maybe I've known her mother. And that young lady is standing in her wedding dress, uh, and she's the same age as my daughter. Mm-hmm. And some moments like that can be powerful, very powerful, where I have to stop and deal with a, a, a moment of grief. And I've realized there's really three categories for me. Okay. I have a grief of what my child may be missing out on, like a wedding or driving. And then I realize I have grief over my husband and I say we don't we won't get as much freedom to travel does not mean we can't travel but we don't have endless freedom and we can't be as spontaneous mm-hmm. and then there's a grief for if we're watching a measure of suffering mm-hmm. i know for my daughter that struggles with mental illness if i go down the road of feeling like i am watching suffering day in day out whether on a small scale or large scale that can really, it can be like picking up a rock and putting it in a backpack. And at first, the first rock isn't as heavy, the little mm-hmm. rock. And then mm-hmm. the second one may be still not real noticeable. You keep putting them in and you realize you're carrying something. Mm-hmm. And so at, when I get to that, you know, when I have these days of realizing that I've put in too many rocks, I have to stop and really process grief, which I, I do that with the Lord and through prayer and some other tools. But um, yeah, first to acknowledge and let's, and call it what it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it, it, it isn't the way that life looks. It isn't the way that sometimes we expected. And, um, when things don't turn out that way, you're right. It is, it is grief and we need to identify it as such. So Connie, I would bet that you could identify with some of those that Kim was talking about. What else for Definitely. you? Well, I think there have been, like uh, Kim said, stages of grief. Uh, I think back to the very moment that he was born. You know, we did not know that he had this deep birth defect. And so in the delivery room, he was taken from the little exam table straight into the NICU uh, to keep him protected uh, from germs. And um, I was not able to hold him. I had to grieve that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was taken, we, he was born in a little local hospital, taken down into the city of Chicago by ambulance at just a few hours old and had his first surgery at 11 hours old Wow! to save his life. And I had to stay in the hospital. I couldn't be with him. Mm. My husband and his friend uh, went with and they were there, but it was as a mother, I yeah. had to grieve that I could not be with my child. Mm-hmm. And so when I was able to first hold him, was he was several days old. Mm-hmm. He was in the hospital for several months. And uh, just the, grieving the whole uh, unexpected diagnosis that we, I had never heard of spina bifida before. Mm-hmm. And so it was not just a learning experience. And my body was not just healing from giving birth, but we had this trauma of understanding how can I care for this little life? And then another time was when I, um, we went back to our Lamaze class with our, all of our babies were born. And here my son had some physical deformities and he looked different than all the other mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. And um, that was something mm-hmm. to grieve that he didn't, you know, wasn't, he didn't start walking until our daughter was, you know, she was born two and a half years after he was, when she walked, he walked. He was learning how to walk then, mm-hmm. and uh, they grew up together. And so, but when he the 
he had a very active uh, elementary age uh, experience and junior high, high school. Um, but when all of his friends graduated and walked across the stage, John Mark tottered mm-hmm. across the stage. Right. And um, he was walking and heading towards a life that was totally different. He did not go to college. He did not get a career. You know, he, um, God has, has a different plan for John Mark. And mm-hmm. so, but I had to grieve that too. Yeah. So, and then the physical changes that happened to him with the stroke has been something I'm still uh, working through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll let you know, John Mark, he never in his life, he's had over 30 surgeries. He's never questioned why me? He's never asked, why did God do this to me? He never asks any of those kinds of questions that run through my mind so often. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he is happy in his life. Mm -hmm. And uh, for that, I'm grateful. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because just yesterday, my husband and I had a moment of grief. Uh, We were we were driving on the interstate going about an hour away and they were doing a lot of construction on the interstate and our son loves construction work and um, anything with his hands and he's good at it. Like he can build things, he can create things. He's just a hard physical labor guy. And uh, we drove by all these guys that are literally building this new lane on the interstate. And I said to Mark, I always imagined that this is the kind of job that Nikolai would do. Mm. And Mark said, I know I did too, but he's just not capable of holding down a job. And I'm like, you're right. And, and, but it was just a moment of grief. Like I, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's what I've always imagined he would do and, or something like that. And then it's just a reminder that, no, I don't think that that probably will ever happen. And, uh, and so, yeah, there are those, those moments of grief. So we have the reality of the emotion of grief. One thing that we have to do though, is when, as we move beyond that grief, there's also acceptance and that acceptance is what you really, it's almost a mindset that you have to put in place to serve and care for your child. And I I think that that, I would say until we had acceptance, we kind of were fighting this. And, and then when it was like, oh, this is, this is our new reality. This is the reality for the rest of our lives and got to a place of acceptance. uh, There's, there's a piece to that, that, that happens. What would you say about what acceptance has been like for your journey? Kim? Well, I, also the word comes to mind. It, it does usher in some freedom as well. I, I know as young parents, um, there is a season and a time to seek out the best medical care, the best therapist, the best extracurricular activities, mm-hmm. uh, everything, you know, even similar to what we do for our typical children, but our, our special needs children often need a medical team. <laughs> Um, and we, Mm -hmm. I I don't know what special needs parents did without the internet. I really don't, but you know, we just research, 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 but there always comes a time, I think for every parent and maybe at a different place in their journey where you accept something that your child has, but it it doesn't define your whole child. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, uh, over the years, I, I could separate some, what my child's diagnosis was from my child. And enjoy who God made them to be. So I like thinking of it in terms of some freedom. I also think if we, I think we have to be careful with acceptance. If we do it by default Mm -hmm. without being purposeful, I think it can, I've run into parents on a rare occasion. There's a, there's a little bit of resentment. They only accepted out of default. But if we accept with the joy and the, the plan that God has for our child, if we see, mm-hmm. if we see through God's filter, mm-hmm. then we can accept with freedom. We can accept with so many other good things to enjoy that relationship with our child. So there's a, there's a place and a role for acceptance to come in a healthy way that really just breeds more vibrant life. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I know, Connie, you and I were talking about this the other day and and you said, you know, just coming, I mean, you're really passionate about the fact that people that are vulnerable are worth caring for. So talk about that. Well, I had mentioned before about how John Mark had enjoyed a great school, you know, childhood and teenage years. And in 2005, that was when his his, uh, health changed. Mm -hmm took a turn that we weren't expecting. And the Lord um, spoke to me one day while John Mark was in a recovery room after having a biopsy as an outpatient uh, procedure, a biopsy for something that they were uh, trying to diagnose for him. Mm -hmm. And so John Mark was asleep and I was alone in the room and I'm like, Lord, why one more thing that Mm. this young man has to deal with? And immediately He gave me a picture. I was in this plain room kneeling on the ground, and I could see out these uh, doors, glass doors, out onto a a balcony with beautiful flowers and everything there. And there were two men standing there talking. Immediately, I knew one was Jesus, and the other one was John Mark, but it was John Mark healed. And Mm. um, I did not hear what they said, but I knew immediately that John Mark they were talking, Jesus was talking to John Mark about all the things that he had accomplished for Jesus on earth. And mm. John Mark was a treasured, I don't even have the words for it. He, Jesus loves John Mark. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I knew I am here to help John Mark accomplish the things that he will one day be talking to Jesus about. And so that is a viewpoint that has helped me with acceptance is to know that I am helping John Mark accomplish God's plan for his life. Yeah, so while I love John that, Mark, Connie. Can, I love it. John, John Mark cannot, under, he doesn't understand the internet, but he likes to use it. He doesn't, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I help provide the medical care, the, yes. all of those things, but I bring him to situations where he enjoys being, which is as an extrovert, he loves church, he loves to be with people, he is a greeter. You know, he Mm -hmm. loves to stand at the door and shake hands with people. And so that has helped me accept my role as what the purpose is. It's not a, he's not a burden. He is, uh, he's a delight. And Ah. uh, I love him and I want to help him live his life. Now, does that make every day flowers and butterflies? (laughs) And, you know, we we are always joyful. You know, there's many challenges. And so... um, but it's worth it. Well, when you know the purpose, it gives yes. you purpose, even right. in the hard parts, right? Right, right. And sometimes when it's very difficult, when he's uh, some challenges, I have to look at John Mark and say, okay, Jesus says, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Okay, so Jesus, here you are sitting in front of me in mm. the form of my son. I want to serve you as I serve him. How do I love this young man who I'm challenged to love at this point. Mm -hmm. And um, he helps me uh, to do that for him. And I'll just add one thing. Um, It's like when I wash my son's feet, yes, I'm washing the feet of Jesus. And so if I can see Jesus in my son, it helps me move through those challenging and difficult times. Mm. So powerful. So very powerful. What a powerful dream and vision that you had. Um, What a gift Mm -hmm. that was. I refer to it all the time. I I, I need it. Yes. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. And I, you're right. I think we, we have to come at it from a servant heart and that really uh, it's, there is an element of sacrifice to it, but it's a it's a beautiful gift of sacrifice. And I don't know about you guys, but gosh, this is the sacrifice, the servant heart, the the reality of the things that we have to do are teaching me lessons all the time. Like they're teaching me about and they're and they're making me better. Like it's almost like it's um oh rounding off the rough edges. You know, when I am, I have to come face to face with my impatience or my frustration 
because maybe I have unrealistic expectations. So I have to adjust my expectations. So it's been a part of my personal growth. Would you say that has been for you? Right. Well, I, in my story where the vision that the Lord gave me that I'm helping John Mark accomplish what Jesus has for him, I realized I'm someone that Jesus is using John Mark to minister to me. Mm. And so John Mark is being used to change me and to teach me, like you said, Jill. Yeah. And so I'm a recipient of those things. I love that. I love that. So we've talked about the, the grief. We've talked about the acceptance. Let's talk for a moment about how do you take care of yourself in the midst of taking care of your child? How, when you're caring for someone else, do you take care of yourself? And this would apply to somebody who's maybe being a caregiver for a parent as well. Um, I mean, it's any type of caregiver, but how, what, what are the lessons you've learned? What are the strategies that you have utilized to be able to take care of yourself and to be intentional about self-care? Connie, how about you? Well, now that I'm a single parent, I rely on the um, respite nurses that are available to me uh, to care for John Mark so that I can get away. Mm-hmm. Um, with COVID, that's been a, a little bit more challenging. I bet. Uh, there's a nursing shortage. And um, when COVID was at its height, I didn't want to have anybody come in the house uh, that could maybe infect him. At that time, my 92-year-old father was living with us, and wow. I didn't want anything to happen to him. But he since uh, has passed on, and nurses are coming back again. And you were sandwiched generation there, because yes, you were sandwiched between right. taking care of your father and taking care yeah. of your child. Well, but my father uh, needed no care. I always say he had a better social life than I did. <laughs> At 92, he was out golfing and he would go to lunches and he, uh, to, he was golfing a couple months before he passed away. So, um, so he had, he was living the life, right? <laughs> so that was, right. It was that difficult to care for, but it, he was a blessing to have here, but mm-hmm. I did still have to cook for him. And, sure. Uh, self-care. That is uh, a, you know, that's a good question. You know, I, uh, I get away, you know, grocery shopping is a joy. Because I can go and look and dream and plan or go to Target and just wander or Costco. Uh, There's a a small lake here. I'll just Mm -hmm. pick up lunch, go and uh, sit outside and watch the ducks and the geese and uh, Mm -hmm. just have some quiet sitting beside the lake there, spending time with friends. But one thing I've learned is that um, even though John Mark and I are home 24-7, you know, we're here together. When he sleeps, I really use that as my time not to get laundry done or not to Mm. do something. You know, I use the time that he's sleeping to paint yeah, or to maybe spend too much time on the internet sometimes or, but, um, but that's the, I have to separate that. Yes. That I'm not always working when I'm awake. Yes. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of us should learn that lesson, whether we're caregivers or not. (laughs) (laughs) Kim, what about you? What self-care look like for you? I certainly agree with so much of what Connie said, and I'm I'm glad that she, I I hope special needs parents will, will hear what Connie said about give your permission, yourself permission to enjoy time when they're asleep. Because a lot of times when they are awake, I can still do the laundry. I can still do those household chores. So that is treasured time and, and, and release any guilt from using that in some fun ways. I've also found there's power in, in the small, the small things. Um, I see my home differently than I used to. As, as I've gotten older and I'm here a lot more with uh, my, especially my special needs daughter, I see my, fa- my patio can be my little break place. And I, I kind of call it that now. Like I know if I walk out there, I'm on a little mini break. And on the other side of the windows there in our living room, she can be watching a movie and I can be sitting on the patio looking right at her. But I'm outside and she's inside. And that is my break space. She is safe. She's doing something she likes. And I can take those few minutes uh, 
to sit in just a different place of my home. And my husband and I've even, we've gone so far to choose to upgrade things around our home that we can do together as a special needs family. Mm -hmm. Uh, A couple years ago, we decided to add the fire pit to our patio. Our special needs daughter loves the fire pit. So it's something we can do together or we can do it as a couple or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it's something at our home. Um, If you're a golfer and you think you could find a way to get a two hole putting green on the, you know, your backyard, I would say go for it Mm -hmm. because we can see our home. It can still have pockets of refuge and break and we can, we can do things in our home that we feel like we're taking that mini vacation. And so where other people might not see it quite that way, um, I would enjoy your home in a different way. Uh, Also, I, I have to keep looking forward. If I get where I look back too much, that can be a struggle for me. So when I hear people talk about a bucket list, instead of thinking, oh, we don't get as good a bucket list. No, that's not true. We, my perspective is we get three bucket lists. My husband and I have a bucket list. I have a bucket list for what will be the four of us mm-hmm. as we take small trips and do things. And then for each of our, our son and our daughter, there are things that I hope we can either take them to do or something that is if one of their interests or that they're capable of doing. So my bucket list may seem small, but I get lots of them. And so anything <laughs> like that, that changes my perspective, um, yeah. helps me move forward in a more healthy uh, way. Uh, that is, both of you, thank yeah. you. Such practical ways. I love that. I think that, you know, when I think about it first, I think it's important to understand that self-care is not selfish. It's like pulling up to the filling station so that you have something inside of you to be able to turn around and give to your child or whoever it is that you're caring for. So we have to get that out of our mind that it is selfish. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about what, what have Mark and I do to, you know, from a self-care perspective, we don't have the day in day out that you guys have, but we're always aware of our son and his needs and and what's happening. And so one of the things that we've, and this has been a form of self-care that we've had to learn is our son has had um, quite a bit of issues with um, the law. He's had a couple of DUIs when he was driving. He no longer has a license um, because that was taken away because of that. And so we have actually, as a form of self-care, we have done what's called lovingly detaching And that's often used in the addiction world where you don't detach from the person, but you detach from their problems. And so that is a form of self-care for us because we used to get sucked into those problems. We used to get sucked into all of that. And now uh, if he ends up in trouble with the law, that's his problem. He has to deal with it. Um, I might help remind him of court dates. I might help make sure he has transportation to get there. But whatever happens, happens. And so we've really learned to detach from the problems. And that has really changed the dynamics. And that has been uh, so much um, more helpful for us. So the you know, we make sure that he has what he needs to live in this world. He has a roof over his head. His He has the basics. He has food. He has medical care. But in his case, he has a lot more autonomy than what your kids have, but he still doesn't function well within that, the world. And so therefore, I've, we've really had to detach from the choices that he makes and recognize, no, those aren't ours to carry those are his to carry. So that has been a big, important part of self-care. So before we leave self-care, I do have a question for you guys. And that is, especially for those of you that, you know, for for people that are caregivers, where you are caring for them day in, day out, what can the church do? What can people around you do to serve you better? Mm What would you say? What comes to your mind that either somebody has done for you or somebody or that you long for somebody to offer to do 
what comes to mind? Because I think a lot of times we don't know how to help. We don't know what to do and how to serve people that are in the situations that you guys are in. What would you say? Got your got your list, Connie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the first things that comes to my mind, and it it may seem obvious, but I think some churches sadly are still missing out on the opportunity to serve special needs families by just having a place. So many churches do have a special needs class for children, and. I'm always grateful for anything that a church does or friends or family or, or our support system. So I want to be grateful. But when it comes to adult special needs, we're finding holes. We've moved, yes. uh, we've moved uh, a few times over the last number of years and visited different churches. And even a very large church on one of our experiences, I mean, I'd classify it as a mega church. Mm-hmm. And to my, I was shocked when I asked about a special needs adult class, and it, it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So they they serve just about everybody they could think of, but sadly that little that little segment of their population it's probably not so little. Maybe that that's their perception. It's probably not really that little. But I would hope that churches would have a place, um, and you know, even if even if it's very specific, like one church that we attended years ago said, this is when we have our helpers and volunteers for special needs. And I remember them being apologetic, saying, we we don't have the staff for all the services, but this is our special needs service. We would love to have you and your children. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated what they were doing as saying, this is what we can do, and we want to do it for you. Yeah. It may not be as grand, but we have thought of you. You know, we want to be seen. And so that went a long way. We had to adjust our schedule, but that they were thoughtful enough to do what they could with the resources they had. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Connie, what what about you? What what have you either been served by the church in some way or do you long for? Well, well, at this point in John Mark's life, um, I am so thankful for a church family that um, gives me space to do what I need to do for my son. Um, Because John Mark has autistic, uh, he's on the spectrum, Mm -hmm. autistic spectrum, and um, loud noises, large gatherings since his stroke have caused him great anxiety. So I'm not able to bring him into a worship service because of the anxiety that it produces in him during the loud music and the Mm -hmm. singing and all the activity. Because what he'll do is he'll be very withdrawn during and anxious during that time. But when it's quiet and then the pastor's preaching, he starts talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sure. uh, <laughs> so um, I have a wonderful church family here that uh, understands why we're not there when we can't mm. be. And um, I met, several years here, I've had nurses come on Sundays so that I could go to church on my own. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I don't have that kind of care on a Sunday morning, and um, they're very understanding, and there's no judgment mm-hmm. um, against me, condemning me. Yeah. Now, when John Mark was a baby, we served in a church that had a, an adult ministry for special needs, a residence of a, of a home, and okay. the church would go with, they had buses, and they would go pick up these senior adults and bring them to the church service. And they had their own Sunday school class and they were in the worship service and it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. But personally, we have not experienced that anywhere for John Mark. Yeah. What about meals? Would you just love for somebody to uh, just bring you a meal because they know that you, that falls on your shoulders nonstop and, and you don't have relief, Connie? Right. And my life group has done that for me. Mm. They do the meal train. And when John Mark has been hospitalized, they will bring meals to us and call and check on us and and pray for us, you know, prayer chain. So I appreciate that. Very good idea for people to do. Yeah. Connie, you told me a story about um, Emily Colson. And uh, you said Emily Colson is Chuck Colson's daughter. And she has a son that special needs. And she's written a book, Dancing with Max, I think you said. Is that correct? correct? Yes, yes. But this 
when you shared this story, you have to share this story because uh, I just loved how the church came alongside Max and what a difference this made. So would you share that story? Yes. Uh, Max is a young man living with autism and he expresses worship in a, a way that's unique to him. He loves to, to jump and to bounce as he sings. And jumping is his way of expressing himself. And so they were very thankful that they found a church that accepted him the way he was. Because at um, first they were going to churches and the churches were saying, hey, he's interrupting the service. He's causing a distraction. And finally, they found a church that didn't see it that way. Yes. And Max had a special place that he would stand next to the sound booth where he would participate in worship jumping up and down and worship that way. And one day, uh, Emily says that she looked over at Max and where he was on this platform. And she's like, oh, I hope this is this platform doesn't become a dunking tank. So he'll fall <laughs> through with all of uh, the power that he's jumping with. And someone said, well, uh, you don't know this, but several months ago, the men in the church got together and reinforced the platform. So that would never happen. Oh, to Max. So beautiful. Isn't that? I. Uh, that's wonderful. That's so awesome. they were concerned about the same thing. They were looking out for him. They wanted him there and they made a way for him to uh, be included and safe. Yeah. I love that. And they never even told Emily. So right. that was, yeah. Right. They just, they just did it. They served mm-hmm. and, and, oh, I love that. So Mm -hmm. cool. You guys, this has been such a rich conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I would love for you to share uh, some resources that have been personally helpful for you. And, you know, because I'm sure that those that are out there are feeling uh, sometimes feel isolated, uh, aren't quite sure where to get the help that they need, or even to just be with other people that say me too, that get it right. So um, what are some of your favorite resources that have been helpful uh, for each of you? Kim, you want to launch us? Uh, yeah, I have, I have a few things. I like, you know, I have things that pop into my inbox, say once a week, like there mm-hmm. is a, there's an online magazine. It is called special needs parenting magazine. Okay. Be very easy to find with a quick Google search. And so I signed up for that. I don't read it every week, but it pops in my uh, email like a faithful friend. Um, <laughs> and then my favorite resource, hands down, are other special needs parents. Mm-hmm. And we have like my uh, Nate and Anna attend a special needs dance class. And I tell you, you get us moms in, a, in the room waiting for them to finish dance, and we've solved all the problems. Like, there's so much. Um, so I would encourage any special needs parents, have special need parent friends and have friends that are not in your special need world. But special needs parents can help with so much. And then we really do live in an age of so much information that we can find uh, I don't know that I would have ever thought my personality that I would want to be like in online support groups, but I have found that they're very, very helpful, especially for niches and information that is not so readily available. Mm-hmm. My daughter got put on a new medication. I belong to a Facebook group that I stumbled across just for that one medication. Wow. And it has been enlightening. So many details that a doctor didn't share when we started this new medication. So we certainly don't want to underestimate the power of, of help that we can just set at our computer screen and, and really get people who are so generous with information we may not know. And it honestly, just the encouragement of not being alone, that Facebook group that have people in their, their lives that they care for that take that medication, so many similarities as our family and our daughter. And I found that all based on looking for something, information about this one medication. So things that are light, like that, you know, that magazine that comes to my email, things that are more serious that we may need to hunt until we find what we need, Uh know what your needs are and be willing to keep looking. Sometimes we go through a season and we want to give up. Well, I haven't found a special needs mom friend. I haven't connected, you know, here or there. 
Sometimes we have to have an attitude of perseverance. We really do, but it is worth it. Don't give up alone. And in today's time, we, we certainly do not want to choose isolation. Even if we are physically at our home, we do not have to be isolated. Mm-hmm. And so reach out community for yourself. Uh, I think we've all become stronger if we've walked this journey. Um, we need to also take responsibility you know, for our mental health. What do we need? What do we need for ourselves? What do we need to parent or care give for our ch- children better? Mm-hmm. Um, and those things are out there and available to us. Yeah. What would you add, Connie? What's been helpful for you? Well, I discovered um, a, a wonderful resource, a Bible study for caregivers. It's called The Heart of the Caregiver. Mm. And Mary Tudorow is the author. She mm-hmm. uh, uh, is a fellow mother of a young adult a young lady that is uh, struggling with her own challenges medically. And Mary has written this book, The Heart of the Caregiver and The Peaceful Caregiver, two separate Bible studies with videos. And those are available. Uh, I have used them in a, I started a, a, a support group for caregivers in my church um, for women who are caregivers, some with caring for their spouses, some for their older children like me and younger children. And I used those resources. So, um, but she also offers online Zoom support groups. And I was a part of one of them at one point, I think it was for 12 weeks, where we stud- we went through one of her books together, met other women around the country who were caring for a variety of family members and friends. And like Kim said, it's good to be not to be isolated, even if we are isolated in our homes. It was a great way to connect with other people even though we couldn't be together physically, you know, in person. Right. We'll make sure and put links to all of those resources that you guys just shared that we can. They'll be in the show notes for those of you that are listening. Uh, Just go to the show notes and you can link over uh, to those resources. This has been so good. Thank you. Thank you. If somebody wanted to connect with either one of you, um, where would they best find you? Uh, I know Connie, you said if they wanted to reach out on Instagram. So what yeah. is your Instagram handle? Uh, Connie D Rosa. Okay. C O N N I E D E R O S A. Okay. And then what about you, Kim? What's the best way to connect with you? Uh, I do have a website where I like to encourage special needs parents and you can visit me there at fulljoyministries.com. Mm-hmm. And then I hang out a lot on my Facebook, kim.cusimano.79. And so those are probably my two places where I spend the most of my time. But Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, this has been um, so, so helpful, I think, uh, especially for those that are walking through uh, a journey of the reality of the nest never being empty and being caregivers for uh, their children or anyone in their life. I think so many of the principles that we've talked about today apply to any caregiving situation, Um, but so appreciative of that. Uh, Would you ladies be willing to close in prayer? Kim, would you start? And then Connie, would you close in prayer and pray for our listeners? Sure. We'd be happy to. Lord, I'm especially grateful for Jill's heart and insight to address this topic. Uh, Lord, thank you that you've given her eyes to see and ears to hear. And Lord, uh, just their experience with their own family and their own son. Lord, I thank you for my new friend and Connie. And Lord, as there are listeners that will join us, we pray that they will sense our our heart to love and encourage them. We may not know their name or their face. We may not know the special needs or needs of their children, but we know that they are in need of love and encouragement and of hope. And Lord, we if we could just push out joy to them, just to celebrate these precious children that God has put into our care, uh, Lord, that we could just usher that into whatever room they're sitting or wherever they are when they hear this, that we can celebrate our children, celebrate each other, and that you have given us all the resources that we need, uh, Lord, to be caregivers and to take care of our responsibilities with our families. Mm-hmm. And Lord, I, I pray for the our children that we are serving. Mm-hmm. Lord, they are facing their own challenges and, um, and you are working in them 
and through them to fulfill the purposes that you have for them. And mm-hmm. so we lift them up to you, Lord, and ask that we would, just as you wash the disciples' feet, help us to serve and wash our children's feet in whatever way that they need. Help us to minister to them in ways that bring healing to them and affirm their purpose in this world and at this time. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.